vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Uh, Today I'm only one day late. Yay me. So today we are talking about the episode titled The Killer in Me. According to Nikki Stafford's episode guide, here is the the extremely brief episode um, synopsis. When Willow and Kennedy kiss, Willow turns into Warren, causing her to remember what happened to Tara. (laughs) God, these are terrible. So terrible. Okay, so this is the one where um, Willow and Kennedy kiss, Willow turns into Warren, the killer in me. So it's, you know, it's a metaphor for many things, as Buffy episodes often are. So in this case, it's, you know, Warren is a killer and exists within Willow's subconscious still. Plus, she still feels bad for killing Warren, the killer in her. Um, Plus, the other plot, sort of the B plot of the episode, is that Spike's chip starts malfunctioning and Buffy, in the end, needs to choose between getting the chip repaired or getting it removed. So then we're talking about the killer in Spike also. So a couple of things that I highlighted in Nikki Stafford's episode guide, which is a book entitled Bite Me, the unofficial guide to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I have been using this as my one and only resource pretty much this entire podcast. (laughs) Um, One thing that she pointed out, so we find out that um, it's not just, Willow pretty much immediately assumes that like this whole thing is brought on by her because she, she thinks that she accidentally did the spell on herself, um, which is a reasonable assumption. Um, But we find out that it was Amy. So this is the very last time we see Amy in the whole show. And if you remember, she was introduced in the third episode of Buffy, which, so we had episodes with Amy in it in season one, season two, she was a rat all throughout season three and four, right? Or was it four and five? Four and five. And then we saw her for a several episode arc in season six. And then this is the only time we see her in season seven. This is the last time we're going to see Amy. Weird send off. Um, You know, like all we really get is her just, it's kind of badly written because she just sort of, you know, lists a bunch of reasons why. So she's the one that she did a hex on Willow. And we'll get to that later. But Nikki Stafford points out something really important, which is considering that while Amy was a rat, Willow became a very powerful witch and yet failed to look for any sort of spell to change Amy back. You'd think that would be the root of her anger. (laughs) So she lists a bunch of things about like basically just general being jealous of Willow as the reason that she put the hex on her. But yeah, I mean, you would think that the number one thing that she would be mad about is the fact that she was a rat for two years and Willow could have changed her back at some point. But it's like she just stopped looking after the first like couple months or something, you know, that, which is just terrible. Um, and then um, regarding Spike, this is another quote from the episode guide. His chip has been the thing that has kept the killer in him at bay for many years. Um, so that's an important thing to point out that I didn't even think about. I didn't even think about the connection of like, you know, I just was thinking about the literal thing, the killer within Willow. I wasn't thinking about like the spike storyline being, um, also the killer in him kind of thing. But of course, 
Um, okay, where are we? Are we silent? No, my phone is not silent. I should probably do that, right? Cool. Okay. So, um, Buffy doesn't have a whole lot of lines in this episode. I'm wondering if they had to cut them at the last minute because she seems... Sarah Michelle Gellar sounds like she has a pretty bad cold in this episode. Um, she Her voice is not the best. <laughs> so we don't get any speeches at all from Buffy in this episode, which is kind of nice for a change because she's real speech heavy in this season. Um, like pretty much the first scene in the episode, Giles is sitting down... Um, on like the coffee table across from Buffy to talk. She's on the couch in the living room telling her that, you know, they, I wish they had had like kind of a throwaway line or something of like, you know, the reason that Buffy's staying behind and not going on this trip is because she's not feeling well. We see her like cradling a cup of tea. She sounds sick uh, because obviously Sarah Michelle Geller was sick. Um, I, I don't, you know, that I just think that would have been nice to add that in. You know, they have no explanation for why Buffy isn't going. It's just Giles is taking all of the potentials out to the desert to do that same, like, vision quest thing that he did with Buffy in season motherfucking five. Like, she had been a slayer at that point for five or six years, and he didn't take her out to the desert to do this vision quest until then, which fine because in the circumstances of the episode in which he takes her she had asked for more answers about you know her origins of being a slayer and she wanted to know more about it and blah 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 I think that was season five it might have been season four but I'm pretty sure it was season five anyway um and that's when he took her but he's taking all the potentials to do the same thing He's taking them all out to the desert without any protection when the first is after them. I I know that it's supposed to be like in retreat mode right now or whatever, but like that, they it could snap out of that at any second. Why are they not being vigilant? It's stupid. But anyway, that's just, you know, TV, whatever. Um... And we don't get to see any of that, <laughs> of the, like, we don't even get to see any of the potentials in this episode at all, because we just see, like, them getting ready for the trip and talking about the potentials, like, as if they're already in the car. And then later we see um, Giles just sitting by himself at the campsite. Um, so we saw nothing of that. They didn't want to pay all the extra potential Slayer actors in this episode. Kennedy's the only potential that we hang out with in this episode at all because she's staying behind and not going with the other potentials because she's sick. So again, it would have made sense to say, you know, like Buffy and Kennedy both have the same cold or something. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. We get a conversation between Spike and Buffy, which is mostly held up by Spike. Um... He's chained up in the basement. Um, he's done it to himself, I guess, because he, you know, they decided that it'd be funny to go ahead and chain him up again, even though he hasn't been chained up the last couple episodes, but whatever, because of the whole trigger thing, because they still haven't dealt with his trigger, that thing that was revealed that he, that the first had a trigger built into Spike that they can activate whatever the fuck they want, they still haven't dealt with that. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know, guys. I don't know about season seven. Anyway, so Buffy's like, well, um, all the potentials are going to be away for a few days in the desert. I'm doing this thing with Giles, so why don't we look into this trigger thing, see if we can figure out how to deactivate it. And, and he is on board with that, but then suddenly his chip starts misfiring. And so it's giving him intense neurological pain in the way that it does whenever it's activated, whenever he tries to hurt someone. Um, 
So Buffy pretty quickly is like, well, Buffy and Spike, or I, or I guess maybe Spike pointed out, doesn't matter, but he's like, well, I maybe it wasn't meant to last this long, you know? You and I have really exceeded our expiration date. <laughs> um, and so she's like, okay, well, we need to look into this, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but whatever. Uh, no, I'm not. That's pretty good. <laughs> then, so basically it's just this whole episode is like Willow and Kennedy and then Buffy and Spike for the most part. And then everybody else. There's a few scenes with everybody else. Willow is uh, making tea for Kennedy because she's sick. But then when she takes the tea up to Kennedy, um, she's like putting her boots on and getting ready to go out or something. And she admits that she wasn't sick after all. She just didn't want to go to the desert. She wants to, she wants to go on a date with Willow. So she basically like tricks Willow into going on a date with her, which is pretty shitty, but oh well. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like a predatory thing. It's just kind of shitty the way that she does that or just the way that they show it. Who wrote and or direct and or directed this episode because it's not very good. Written by Drew Greenberg and directed by David Solomon. So both, you know, regulars on the series, but I, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'm not feeling it with this episode, guys. Okay. Where are we? So she brings the tea up to Kennedy. Kennedy kind of tricks her on going on it. So but then we see them at the bronze and they're drinking like pina coladas or something, some kind of tropical drink. And, um, oh, I'm, I got ahead of myself there. Um, before she takes the tea up to Kennedy, Buffy and Willow have a little bit of a conversation and it's just basically like, Buffy's sort of making little jokey jokes about her and Kennedy and, you know, Willow doth protesteth too much. And like, it's just tea. It's just tea. <laughs> and, um, at one point, and then they're also talking about Spike's chip and Buffy says, remember when things used to be nice and boring? <laughs> and then Willow just sort of stares at her and then goes, no, <laughs> Just I liked that little exchange. Um, let's see. And then, okay, so Kennedy and Willow on the date. Kennedy asks her, um, just wants to get to know her better, you know? And she's like, well, let's start with the easy stuff. How long have you known? Like, how long has she known that she was gay? And Willow's like, that's easy? And she, you know, kind of hems and haws. And then later she explains, three years ago is when I knew. And it wasn't women. It was just one woman. So this is an interesting conversation because it's almost like I've always gotten the impression from Willow's character. You know, she genuinely loved Oz. She had a serious crush on Xander. And then she met the love of her life, Tara. You know, from now on, from Tara on, she only dates women. So, you know, we get this little moment with Kennedy and then in the comics, she ends up dating some kind of like goddess or something. I remember, I don't know what type of creature she was, but she was some like supernatural goddess type creature that she was involved in, in the comics after Kennedy. Um, and I think her and Kennedy broke up amicably. I don't remember. Did Kennedy die? Surely I would have remembered that. Anyway, all I remember is that she was with Kennedy for a minute and she dated some goddess. She dated another potential slayer at some point, maybe. I don't know. There's, there's some shit in the comics, dudes, dudes and dudettes, <laughs> dudes. <laughs> it's. The comics are a mess. Um, but so is season seven. Let's get back to season seven. Um, 
And then Willow's just sort of confused as to why Kennedy knows that Willow's gay. Um, anyway, the point that I was trying to make there is like, this is an interesting conversation because based on the content of this conversation and also based on just sort of the way that they write Willow throughout the TV show, I mean, I guess sometimes she does say that she's gay, though. I don't know. Like, for me, it's always been sort of a sticking point because it's like, well, if she was gay, then did she really love Oz? And I think she really, truly did. So not that you can't, you know, really, maybe Oz was the one dude exception, you know, or whatever. I mean, she also really cared about Xander, but whatever. I always just conceptualized her as bisexual, but um, I know there's argument in the in the lesbian community, particular in particular, that say no, she's a lesbian because she said she's gay, and that's true. That's true. So you know, even though she's just a fictional character, that I think they just didn't write thoroughly enough to answer that question properly. Um, as a character, she does, like if she were a real life person and she said, I'm gay, then you take her at her word. Right. So I don't know. I just, that I always just liked conceptualizing her as bisexual because she has the two best love interests that the show has ever had. She got both of them. Tara and Oz are perfect. They can do no wrong. I would not know how to choose between them. But ultimately, I do think I would have chose chosen Tara. So <laughs> um, there's okay. So back to Spike and Buffy talking about what they're going to do about his chip misfiring and blah, blah, blah. And um, Buffy says something about calling someone on the phone. And Spike says, who are you going to call? And they both look at each other. God, that phrase is never going to be usable again, is it? And then Buffy says, doubt it. <laughs> it's funny. I wonder if like, question to those of y'all out there that are like 30 years of age or less. Um, do you have that reaction when somebody says, who are you going to call? Do you automatically think about Ghostbusters? Let me know. Um, Mixtress Ray at ProtonMail.com. Thank you. So Buffy calls a florist, which is just a front or something. And she has a weird conversation with somebody like, like Riley Finn. I need to get in touch with Riley Finn and tells him the situation and blah, blah, blah. Um, and she doesn't know if they're actually a florist or like maybe the military just has the line tapped or something. I don't know. Then back to Kennedy and Willow. Um, Willow's like, why do you like me? And Kennedy just basically tells her that she's hot. And then, you know, she gets more specific and says that she likes her freckles, which I have no doubt that Willow Rosenberg, the Willow Rosenberg, that Allison Hannigan has freckles, but I don't think we've, have we ever seen her freckles ever? I, I don't recall ever seeing any freckles on Willow's face. So I don't know. I just didn't like that little, like, why are we talking about a thing that y'all cover up with makeup? I mean, if she actually has freckles, you cover them up. I've never seen a freckle on Willow's face. Just a nitpick. That's what we're here for, right? Oh. Um, oh, just another nitpick. Like, so we get the kiss between Kennedy and Willow and it is kind of like, you know, the way that they're filming it is basically to show the transition whenever Willow turns into Warren. But the way that they're kind of like, it's all cinematic and it's like an actual kiss between the two of them. It, it bugs me. It just, it bugs me just because like it took us until season motherfucking five in the middle slash towards the end 
of the season before we got to actually see a kiss between Willow and Tara. But Willow and Kennedy get to kiss immediately. And it's just because, you know, at this point they're on that net, that network, UPN or whatever, where they can do that, where they can have slightly sexier show, which meant that they could actually have a gay kiss. Um, but it's, it's just, yeah, it just sucks that they get to kiss immediately, you know? Um, and we only really got like that. We've only, we only got like a handful of kisses between Willow and Tara, you know, really. And it was mostly on the day that she fucking died. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So there's a whole thing in the bite me episode guide talking about like, should Tara have been killed? Um, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm sure we talked about it on the seeing red episode. Um, in fact, I know we did, but the whole thing with Tara getting killed off is, you know, it's a trope. It's a trope killing off gay characters. And it's something that's done in movies and TV shows more often than not. It's happening less these days. Things are gradually getting better. Glacial, glacially paced, getting better. But I guess Nikki Stafford comes out on the side of like, she thinks it was a necessary death. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't. And anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Kennedy and Willow. So, okay, on the whole Kennedy front, like I said before, I'm trying to like her this time around. I'm being open to liking her this time around. Um, and this episode was a good one for Kennedy. She is, you know, she's being a bit aggressive in her pursuit of Willow. But also Willow is at this point in time, she's so like compulsively in her shell that she probably does need someone to be that aggressive with her, to date her again, to have her dating again. And we're in the last season. So if Willow's going to date somebody else, it's going to be now. If they're, maybe they're just, this is their way of establishing Willow is gay. It wasn't just Tara. You know, and maybe Willow's realizing that right now with us. Um, but yeah. So, okay. Kennedy was okay in this episode, despite being aggressive in her pursuit of Willow. She's cute. She seems like pretty tough and she's not a terrible listener. She seems genuinely interested in Willow. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of like her in this episode. I don't know if I like her and in general. She seems mostly respectful of like Buffy and the training and like, she seems mature for the most part. Um, maybe she's more assertive than aggressive and I'm just like, bristly towards her because she's not Tara. I mean, it's not, yeah, I guess that's what it is. <laughs> not that I really give a shit who Willow's with because I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my deal is with Willow. Like why am I anti Willow? I don't know. I guess I just, I feel like they just didn't give her enough of a personality. I mean, this show is supposed to be a feminist show, but as I've said many times, it's really not, you know, Buffy's really the only like complex female character on the show. Like we get other female characters that I love like Drusilla and Faith and Anya, but like for the most part, they're pretty one note, you know, like Cordelia's just blunt and tactless. Anya also blunt and tactless, but in a slightly different way, slightly more autistic leaning way. Um, and then Drusilla was just pretty and crazy. <laughs> and then Faith is 
damaged. You know, like we really don't get much in the way of character development for any women on the show, you know? And even Willow. Willow's just geek that she gets to be two things because she's a main character. She gets to be geek and witch. And also gay, so I guess <laughs> she gets a little... I don't know. I just feel like they could have done more with her. I'm not, not exactly sure what I want from her character, but I just feel like we didn't get it. We just didn't get it with Willow. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. I'll, I'll have to, you know, take it to my journal. <laughs> I need to explore why Willow doesn't work for me as a character. Maybe, maybe somebody smarter than me has written an article on this. Like, is she really an underdeveloped character or maybe I just, something about her triggers me. I don't know what it is. Anyway, let's move on from that. Okay. So they kiss. Willow turns into Warren. Of course, Kennedy freaks out and then, you know, hilarity ensues whenever she goes downstairs and everybody reacts to her as if she's Warren because she looks like Warren. And it's more than just a glamour. She actually is like in his body pretty much, I guess. I don't know. They don't explain the mechanics of that. But just on Anya hair color watch, it's sort of a dark kind of dusty blonde right now. I feel like it's a different color every single episode. <laughs> It's crazy. Um, Andrew, whenever he comes into the room um, and sees Warren slash Willow, he's he like they all think it's the first, of course, immediately because it's you know Warren and Warren's dead. But um, Andrew immediately is like. Your promises of happy fields and dancing schnauzers and being demigods won't work on me anymore, which um, is a callback, if you didn't recognize like that, is a callback to, um, I think it was in Restless. Wasn't it Restless? Maybe? I don't know. I, I don't know what episode it was in, but there was some episode when we were getting like flashes of like Andrew fantasizing about like them taking over the world whenever they were the trio still in season six, maybe, or was it earlier this season? I don't know, whatever it was. There was like a little sequence of like Jonathan, Warren, and Andrew like wearing like white toga type things prancing around in a field, like da dancing and singing. <laughs> it was just funny. Anyway, that was a callback to that. Um, I just love Andrew so much. He's just so funny. Um, Spike during the scene, he's just laying on the floor cause he's in pain and it's kind of funny cause he's just kind of like laying over there like, <laughs> oh, very knight of cups, very knight of cups. Um, you guys, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast before. Probably I have mentioned it at some point. The Buffy Tarot is coming out in March, I think. I'm pretty sure it's like spring. That's like the end of March. And I pre-ordered it because I normally don't pre-order things, but it's like a cheap thing. It's like going to be 20 bucks or something. And even though pop culture tarot decks, I usually don't like them and I'm going to be heavily invested in what they have in this deck. <laughs> oh my God. It could go, it's gonna go wrong. It's gonna go wrong, but I would accept either Spike or Angel or both of them as the Knight of Cups. One of them has to be the Knight of Cups. If it's anyone else, it's not going to make sense. Just saying. Willow basically just tells everybody, you know, I'm sure I did this to myself. I'm going to figure it out. Like, you guys don't worry about it. Take care of Spike. I'm going to figure this shit out. And they all just, like, let her go and don't worry about her. Like, I, 
I, at no point does, because later we see um, Andrew, Anya, Xander, and Dawn all sitting around in the living room. And they're talking about, like, Spike and his chip or something, I think. I don't think they say shit about Willow, worrying about Willow or anything. They're just not worried, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. But, you know, Willow's just like, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to figure it out. And no one follows her except Kennedy. This episode is just bad, guys. It just, it's bad. Xander would have been extremely concerned. He's Willow's best friend. He loves her more than anyone else. Like, what? Anyway, but no one's worried about her. It's fine. Um, Kennedy goes after her, though, and, like, insists on coming with her. Uh, Buffy and Spike go to the initiative because Spike says, you know, the pain's getting so bad. And Spike's like, look, they have something. They had something there. Whatever they had, they were keeping me there. Um, some kind of drug that, like, when the when the chip was going off a lot or something like that, then they would, you know, so some, some kind of happy pills, I guess. And they're not going to try to find them in some other means. Like, I'm sure it was a generic thing, but whatever. And Buffy's like, sure, maybe there's also some information there about the chip or something. Because at this point, they don't know that Riley actually got the message. Buffy thinks she was actually just talking to a florist and she doesn't know how to get a hold of Riley. Um, so there you go. So they go to the initiative. Xander gets a call. So they're all sitting around in the living room. Xander gets um, a call about somebody from the Watchers Council. I don't know, but they're all dead. I don't know. Somebody calls Xander to tell him about um, that that whole thing that was in the previously on Buffy. Um, where we saw like an axe coming at Giles's head. So Robson was apparently the guy that Giles was going to help in that moment. And I guess he's still alive. I don't know. Maybe that was the person that called. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. It would have had to have been him, right? Basically, he says what, like he passed out. And when he came to, Giles wasn't there. But the last thing that he remembers is the axe right behind his head. And so they all pretty quickly are like, holy shit, is Giles the first? Has he been the first this whole time? And Anya's like, no. I mean, it's not like Giles hasn't touched anything, right? And then it's like, we might as well have a montage of Giles from the last, like, four episodes or however long it's been of him literally not touching anything ever. Ever. It's so obnoxious that they kept this bit up for so long. <laughs> it's just obnoxious. Because... He wasn't the first. I mean, it would make sense for them to be that consistent with the whole him not touching anything thing. I know I've been bitching about it, but finally it's over. Finally it's over. Okay. I mean, not yet. Because we haven't actually gotten to that point in the episode. But um, as soon as they all realize, oh my god, we have to go to the desert. We have to find... We have to make sure that Giles is real and shit like that. Um... They, like, show Giles at the campsite, and he's just sitting by a fire, looking sinister. Because, <laughs> of course. Oh my god. Um, Willow gets the idea that since she can't seem to fix her situation herself, which makes no fucking sense, because Willow's like the most powerful witch ever, and she can't figure out how to fix it herself? Really? <sighs> Whatever. But... She decides to go back to her college, which is she still in college? I mean, I don't even think we've heard any mention of her going. At this point, she would be, let's see, a junior, right? Wait, four, five, six, seven. No, she'd be a senior. And she never dropped out of school, right? I mean, maybe she did? Oh, she's definitely, like, on some kind of break from school, for sure. Because she 
lost Tara, went evil, left for England for the entire summer. She, no, she went back. She went back to school at the beginning of the season. Fuck. I don't know. You guys. <laughs> I need to take a moment. I just feel like, you know, the main characters of Buffy. We have a core four. Buffy, Willow, Xander, Giles. Those are our four. But, and I get, you know, falling in love with side characters along the way. But Buffy as a show has just been so focused on whoever Buffy's obsessed with at the moment. Like we get distracted by the big bads. We get distracted by the boyfriends and it's like, we don't even know if Willow's still in school right now. I don't remember even an offhanded comment of Willow saying, you know, I've taken a sabbatical from school or whatever. Like we're just supposed to believe she's still in it when there's, nothing about her being in school except that first that you know first episode right after she got back from England like you know a few episodes into the beginning of the season when we saw her talking to professors and getting her classes back that's it they don't even mention her being in school again I don't know maybe I'm missing something and maybe that's not even something that should be an important point. But anyway, so she goes to the campus Wiccans and she hasn't been a part of that group for a long time. And they're actually doing magic now. They're all wearing crystals around their necks that are glowing purple while they're doing like a spell together. They're sitting in a circle holding hands and not a single one of them has a line except the leader of the group, whose name is Vaughn, I guess. And... Amy. <laughs> and that's it. Everybody else not even speaking parts. Um, so they talk to, she talks to them cause she's like, maybe they can help me with this whole spell situation. And, um, Amy's there and she's like, oh yeah, we, we can help you guys. We'll try. Um, but it, whatever spell she tries doesn't work. Um, and Willow, slaps Amy. Willow as Warren still, of course, slaps Amy and calls her a dumb bitch. And then she says, that wasn't me. That was Warren. So basically like she's turning into Warren. The longer that she is Warren, she's turning into him. Um, Buffy and Spike get to the initiative. It's very creepy. It looks like it was, I guess the government guys or whatever that were running it just sealed it off. They didn't even help the people that were in there. So previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the end of season four. So we had like the initiative operatives and all the like Frankenstein monsters that professor Walsh created were all in there together during that final fight. All of the like, all of the different demons and stuff that she created were all there. So I guess they just sealed it off and that's it. Um, so they find that because this is the first time anybody's been to the initiative. Um, so they go back and turns out something's in there with them and they have to fight with just flashlights. My question is why didn't Buffy bring a flare gun? They knew where they were going. Surely Buffy has things like flare guns around, right? Wouldn't she? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> you guys, I'm so over it right now. Um, maybe the next episode will be better. Um, okay. Let's just power through. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I just like, I'm so exhausted trying to explain this right now. And there's no reason for me to be exhausted. You know, like I slept well, I'm, it's not super late at night. It's only 11. Everything's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't care about this episode, I guess. Okay. So something's down there with them. Why didn't they take a flare gun? Okay. Yeah. We're caught up <laughs> my notes. Um, so at one point, like 
after she calls, after Willow slash Warren calls Amy a dumb bitch and slaps her, she like storms out of the room. Kennedy tries to follow her and um, Willow does like a, one of those little block spells that she does where she just like sort of sends up a wall of energy when somebody tries to go after her. We've seen her do it before. She does that here. And then she just keeps walking and she just leaves. And Kennedy goes to talk to Amy. And Amy just sort of says something about, you know, Willow can take care of herself. Like she's been doing it for a long time, even before she had a um even before she had a badass potential slayer bodyguard or something like that. She didn't say badass, but even before she had a potential slayer bodyguard. And Kennedy's smart. She's like I didn't tell you I was a potential slayer. And then she, she gets it out of like Amy explain. She does the villain explain anything, you know, she's like, what does she say? What does she call it? Um, where, where are we? It's, it's your standard penance malediction, which is just a nice way of saying hex, I guess or just a fancy way of saying hex, I guess. And she, she says that the spell, the victim subconscious picks the form of their punishment because it's really, you know, kind of elegant, isn't it? So she explains that she did it. Um, Kennedy is trying to talk her into like giving it up. Amy does that whole speech of like, Willow's just better at things and it's everything comes so easily for her as a witch and blah, 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 blah. And so she's just jealous, just standard jealousy. I mean, this is the way that they choose to, I don't know. It kind of sucks. Amy's character. So, okay, let's, let's do a little, since this is the last time we're going to see her, let's just talk about Amy for a second. So first time we see her, she is the victim because her mom is a witch and has done like a Freaky Friday thing because she wants to relive her childhood as a cheerleader. And so when we first meet Amy, Amy isn't Amy. Amy is her mom. And we find out that Amy is actually kind of a nerdy, shy kid that, you know, wears plaid pants and likes to eat brownies. You know, it seems like we're going to get to see more of Amy and Amy's going to be cool. And we do. We get a couple of episodes in the first three seasons where, like, Amy's cool. She's a witch. She's friends with Willow. We see her every once in a while. She's fine. We like her. And then she turns herself into a rat. And Willow can't figure out how to turn her back. So she's in a fairy cage. And I just call it a ferret cage because the cage that Amy is in for seasons, um, four and five is the exact same cage that I had for my first ferret. The exact one. <laughs> I'm sure I mentioned that at the time, but anyway, um, so Amy was always cool until season six. And I get why Amy, as soon as she got turned back from being a rat, she might, she might go off the deep end a little bit, but she's extre an extremely powerful witch when she comes back from being a rat, which makes no sense because she hasn't done any magic for over two years and she wasn't that proficient. I mean, she was able to turn herself into a rat, which I guess is pretty advanced since Willow couldn't even fucking turn her back two years later, but um, she's pretty, a pretty advanced witch and we don't know why, you know? Um, but anyway, it makes sense that she would go off the deep end, that she would, you know, have some wild oats to sow because she's been a rat for two years and she missed part of her childhood. You know, it, that part makes sense, but how she's just really awful to Willow doesn't make sense. I mean, again, if she were bitter because Willow didn't turn her back from being a rat, she could have said that. And then there would have been a motivation for her being so awful to Willow. 
but this is the way that we send her off. It's almost like the show wants us to think that Amy is Willow's Ethan Rain, you know, that like silly little Loki character that shows up every once in a while that's friends with Giles. Um, which would be cool if she was that, but she's not fully realized. And this is the way they send her off. She doesn't break the spell. She just puts a hex on Willow so that we can have this episode. And then she disappears into the, we never see her again. It's just, it just sucks. They could have done something more interesting with this Amy character. Like that's like, I feel like that's my complaint like all the time. This character could have been better realized. This character could have been better realized. Like there's a lot of shows out there that do character development a bazillion times better than Buffy, but, but not a lot of TV shows were doing complex narratives or complex story arcs 20 years ago. They just weren't. So Buffy was a pioneer show, which means it's not that great in retrospect in a lot of ways. Okay, cool. Let's move on. Okay. Everyone attacks Giles at the campsite. Um, oh wait, I skipped something. So Willow slash Warren goes into a pawn shop or drug or gun store, whatever you call it. And the guy behind the counter is like, same one as last time. How'd that work out for you? And then Warren slash Willow is like, you would not believe. And it's like, really? You're, you would sell a gun to someone in that situation? Surely, I mean, I don't know how, what the regulations are for getting a gun, but surely you at least need identification, which you know, Willow slash Warren don't got any ID. <laughs> you know, the only ID that she he might have on him slash her is Willow's ID. <laughs> anyway, he gets the gun. Um, or we don't see him getting the gun in this moment. Just you would not believe. Um, everyone shows up at the desert in the desert, attacks Giles, just like tackles him to the ground. And they're all like, I feel him. I feel him. I can feel him. I can feel him. It's just a funny little moment. Um, so finally Giles can touch things again. Yay for that. Um, at the back of the initiative, Spike and Buffy are fighting some creature that's down there with them. And then all the lights turn on because apparently they can do that. I don't know. <laughs> all, all these operatives show up. It's like 10 guys in army fatigues. And, um, one of the guys um, says that, you know, Riley got in contact with the, with him, them and said that we are, we are to do whatever it takes to help ass face here, referring to Spike. Um, so then we get the conversation. Uh, we don't actually see what Buffy decides in this episode. Um, but they, they say that Riley has authorized that anything to be done with Spike will be her decision. Um, so they tell her we can either repair the chip or remove it. And she just kind of like is staring. So this is, I mean, here's where we're getting the interesting character development with fucking Spike, which great. I like Spike. I'm fine with that. I just wish other characters got some time as well, you know, but anyway, so this is the test. Like Buffy has told Spike that she believes in him. And that's very important to him that she said that like the whole season so far, we saw many times where like the first or one of his other hallucinations was telling him as Buffy that she believes in him, but it wasn't real. And she actually told him she believes in him a few episodes ago. And that's very important to Spike. Um, you know, it, that that alone got him through his days of being tortured because he kept remembering the fact that Buffy had just recently told him that she believed in him. And that was just like keeping him alive. So it's a big deal. So this is the moment where we find out, does Buffy actually believe in him? Does she? Because if she had said no, repair the chip, then that would be, you know, an admission that, so she's starting to trust him basically. 
is what's happening. Like, this is why she doesn't love Spike. Mom, <laughs> hear me out. So she told Spike in season six, after the attempted rape, or I think it was at a different time that she told him, I could never love you because I don't trust you. I think she told him that while she was like leaving him kind of. And then after the attempted rape, she's like, ask me again why I could never love you. So at this point, what the show is doing is they're taking an entire season to rebuild trust. So at this point, this moment, and we'll find out in the next episode that she chose to remove the chip. Um, at this point, not that whole, like, I believe in you is another way almost of saying, I trust you and her actually letting them take out the chip. Because I mean, honestly, like this would have happened again at some point, at some point, the new chip that they repaired probably also would have gone bad in a few years or whatever. Um, so does Buffy actually trust Spike without the training wheels? He's had a soul with a chip this whole time. Does she actually trust him? She does. So she has to trust him before she can love him. And she's not gonna love him until the comics. <laughs> um, okay. Where are we? Willow. Okay. So then we're basically at the end. So Amy like transports Kennedy to Buffy's backyard. So it's like the following morning now, I guess. And this is some intense shit. I mean, Willow doesn't transport people until she has all the magic in the universe in season six, whenever she's gone evil. This is just a big pet peeve with the show, especially now, really only now, as I'm watching it in this context of like taking notes and being hypercritical and all that shit is that like things that it will take, like, you know, the show's main characters years to get to until they're proficient enough in slayerness or magic or whatever to do, we will see other characters just doing as if it's nothing, you know, like, the fact that Buffy, who's been a slayer at this point for like eight years, almost got killed by the Uber vamp. But as soon as the potentials become real slayers in the last episode, they're able to take out Uber vamps like it's nothing. You know, that shit bugs me. This is an example of that because Amy, we are supposed to think, is a much lesser witch as far as power is concerned compared to Willow, but Willow couldn't break her spell and Amy can transport someone. That's like, oh, this episode just sucks. It sucks. I'm going to need to go back at some point and see if every other episode written and directed by these same two people is one that I think sucks. <laughs> Cause I know they've written a lot of them. They have been part of the team for a while. Have they done anything I like? I don't know. This episode just falls apart when you start thinking about it. Anyway, so Amy transports Kennedy to Buffy's backyard. Willow slash Warren is showing up with the gun, which looks comically large in Allison Hannigan's hands. <laughs> but because they keep flipping back and forth. We get, we get Warren part of the time. We get Willow part of the time, which I feel, I mean, they did it. Okay. I guess the way that they were switching back and forth, it was okay. Um, but, and Adam Bush did a good job as Warren. I was actually, you know, I actually didn't say this yet, but it was kind of nice to see him again. Um, you know, I didn't like Warren the character, but it was nice to see him in this context when he was acting as Willow, because I think that's from what I've heard about him, 
like the nerdy, you know, nice person is more what that actor is actually like. <laughs> so it was nice to see him in a context other than, even though parts of the episode he was just being misogynist, terrible dude. But some of the time he wasn't, and it was nice to see him not being that. I enjoyed that part. Um, so basically, Warren slash Willow is going to reenact the moment where Warren killed Tara. So it the explanation of why this is the spell that Willow subconscious made does make sense. When her and Kennedy kissed, for a moment, she let Tara go. She is getting some closure. She is moving on from Tara because um, she doesn't have a choice, you know? At some point, she's got to regain happiness again. She's got to move on. She's in her early 20s. She's not going to be single for the rest of her life just because the love of her life died in her early 20s. Like, she's always going to be sad about it, but, you know, just like Rose in Titanic, she's going to have to move on, <laughs> you know? Um, so it makes sense that like for a second she let Tara go and then she immediately felt so guilty about it that she felt as if she was putting the final nail in the coffin of Tara, you know, like Tara was always with her. She felt like Tara was with her. And in a mystical sense, like maybe we're supposed to think that Tara literally Tara spirit was with Willow this whole time. And this is the moment she chose to walk away when she saw that Willow was going to be able to find someone else to love. She walked away. She let her go. So maybe she felt that in a mystical way. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it makes sense that like this would be, you know, a spell that is the victim subconscious picks the form of their punishment it makes sense that this would be the punishment. Like I get that the, the whole metaphor set up for this episode makes sense. I just think a lot of aspects of this episode were just not executed well. So she's about to like play out the whole thing, but Kennedy is able to, um, she doesn't even really say anything. She just basically asks her some questions and tries to, talk her down. And then she just decides, okay, so it's basically like a fairy tale. <laughs> I'm just going to kiss you again and everything's going to be fine. And that's what happens. It's the same type of cinematic kiss with the cameras going around, like, you know, kind of like the, the Carrie and Tommy dancing in the prom scene and Carrie before the blood, of course when they're just spinning around and around. I mean, it's not that crazy, but uh, it's, it's kind of like that. And then Warren turns back to Willow and Kennedy's like, damn, I'm good. And then Willow's like, I'm tired. And then Kennedy's like, I'll make you some tea. So the whole, like, I don't know what the tea thing is. <laughs> is it a metaphor for something? I don't know. But anyway, that's how the episode ends. They're walking back inside together, like arm in arm, because Kennedy's sort of holding up Willow and being like, I'm going to make you some tea. So that's that. Let's do ratings for the episode, shall we? Object of the episode. Um, I mean, I already have a crystal necklace. I mean, if it could glow purple, like when I'm doing magic, that'd be pretty cool. So let's just say that purple glowy crystal um outfit of the episode mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i'm going to give it to kennedy because i mean it was a simple outfit there was nothing that exciting about it but it just she is cute and the way that she's being styled makes sense to me you know they're putting her in like cream colored thermal shirts, brown leather jacket. Like she had a brown leather jacket in this episode that was like definitely something well-made and tailored and nice. And she's, you know, it's been established that she's a rich girl 
and the brown just looks like, I mean, it looks tough, but it also looks like her style. And then she has her Pisces necklace and she's also wearing some like, just sort of, I think they're like brown pinstripey, almost tweed. I mean, she looks classy, but also slightly edgy. And I think that makes sense for her character. She, the outfit that she's wearing in this episode is very like, and she's also wearing like suspenders, which is just a cute touch. Like who wears suspenders? <laughs> it was cute. She just looked cute. So I'm going to give it to Kennedy because when am I ever going to give her outfit of the episode? Never. Um, I will say Anya was wearing a not too distracting outfit this episode because lately she's been wearing some stupid shit and very low cut pants and everybody in the low cut pants department looked relatively normal in this episode. Willow's outfit is terrible in this episode. She's wearing like an, like an ill fitting, like dark, like a burgundy, like denim jacket or something. I don't know. It's terrible. She looks awful. And like some pants, some, I mean, they're definitely low rise, but you know, those kinds of low rise pants where like the seam was going like, there was like a seam going across the middle of your butt. And then they were brown and the like stitches were white. And there was also some kind of weird, like sometimes it looked like there was some red on the front of the pants, but I couldn't tell what it was like maybe some kind of stitching was on the front of the pants or something that you couldn't really see clearly. Anyway, her outfit was the worst. It was the worst. Like, why are we not? I mean, I guess most of the time Willow is wearing like cute, witchy sort of bohemian looking stuff. And she looks good in that stuff, but whatever they're doing here is this like lesbian first date wear. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's stupid. MVP of the episode. I mean, let's give it to Riley. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Riley because you know what? That's really big of him. I didn't mention that, but it's really big of him to like, he would do anything to help Buffy and he respects her so much that even though he fucking hates Spike, he gives, he trusts Buffy enough to give her the decision-making, you know, cause he could have said anything. He could have been like, take Spike out. I don't care. Make something up so that Buffy doesn't know that I gave this order. He could have done that, but he's a classy dude and he wants Buffy to be happy and he trusts her completely. We don't ever get to see or hear of Riley again. So this is, this is a nice, we have a send off for Amy that sucked in this episode. We have a send off for Riley that's good because you know, dudes get the good send off. <laughs> they just do. Um, quote of the episode. Mm, you know what? I'm just going to go with the, the little exchange. I, that I think is the most memorable exchange of the episode. Whenever Buffy and Willow are talking and Buffy says, remember when things used to be nice and boring? And Willow's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Five by five. Ugh, again, I just, I don't know why I'm feeling so salty, but I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five because I mean, it really is a serviceable episode when you're not thinking too hard about it. But I am because I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> okay. Next episode we're going to talk about, and it will be next week because we are now in February where we are having an episode to talk about every single week. Next week is an episode called first date. This is the one where after several episodes of just like not seeing principal Wood at all or getting any character development for him, suddenly Buffy's going to go on a date with him. So Buffy and Principal Wood go on a date next episode. And then Xander goes on a date with Ashanti. <laughs> Remember Ashanti? 
and they have the cutest little exchange. But then she ties him up and tries to drain his blood to open the seal of Danzelthar again, I guess, or something. Um, and then... I don't remember what else happens in this episode, though. I think this is when Principal Wood meets Spike. Right? I wonder when he deactivates the chip. Oh, that's still... That's still way far away. March 25th is the episode when we talk about when Spike finally, like, deactivates the chip. Or, not deactivates the chip, deactivates the trigger. And they have that confrontation, Spike and Principal Wood. So that's, that's a while from now. But next episode is... I think we finally find out... I think we find out that Principal Wood knows that Buffy's a slayer in the next episode. But again, this is, I really just am not super familiar with season seven, apparently, because I don't remember everything like I do with the other seasons. Anyway, thanks for listening to this. Um, you guys are awesome. And I'll see you next week. Bye.